Our planet holds many places that exude mystery and capture our fascination. Egypt has the pyramids and the Sphinx. Nevada has Area 51. The Atlantic Ocean has the Bermuda Triangle. But perhaps nowhere on Earth has the lore of Loch Ness in Scotland. Its main attraction is the possible existence of a Loch Ness monster, affectionately called Nessie. Alan McKenna leads regular explorations of the lake. You can come along if you believe in a Loch Ness monster, that's fantastic. If you don't, you're still equally welcome to be involved with us to study the natural environment and the behaviour of the loch. Because that's just, again, as equally as fascinating as the, uh, the monster mystery. He's chasing the magic of Loch Ness, and he's here to talk about it. I'm Steve Fisher, and this is Life Slices. I'm going to start with an easy question for you. Who is Alan McKenna? Oh, Jesus. That's not an easy question. (laughs) (laughs) Depends how much you want to know. Introduce yourself to the audience. So I guess, as you said, I'm Alan Roderick McKenna from Scotland, and I'm the founder of Loch Ness Exploration, which is just, I'm hoping it's in the spirit of the original Loch Ness Investigation Bureau, which ran from 1962 to 1972. So I go up to the loch every month where I conduct surface watches as well as hydrophone experiments within the loch, which has been really fascinating so far. I have, I'm currently working in partnership with the Loch Ness Centre, who have very kindly given us some funding to go away and do these things, which is fantastic. So, and we had a, a kind of, we, we buddied up this year uh, in August 2000, and 2000, sorry, 2013. That's the Shetland in me. Uh, we buddied up in August, sorry, this year um, to conduct a weekend called The Quest, uh, where we asked for as many volunteers as we possibly could to come along with us to, to watch the surface of the loch. But yeah, I've been to Loch Ness for, since I've been a wee boy, since I've been a child. I've absolutely loved the whole story behind it, as well as the story of Loch Ness Monster. But of course, it's not just about Nessie. The environment itself, I find equally as fascinating. And that's me. I mean, it's, I would love to do this full-time, but I don't, unfortunately. Uh, I'm actually a full-time social worker with the local authority. So it's, it, it's quite difficult to, <laughs> to chop. I can imagine. We're going to get to that in a minute. But for the rare individual who doesn't know, who is Nessie? I've always said this to people. Nessie can change depending on who is looking at the loch or what they're viewing, for example. The the morphology of Nessie I find really quite fascinating because some people don't report obviously seeing the long neck. It's just a solid hump. Some people have reported horns. Uh, at the top of the head. Some people haven't. Some people will say that it looks like a sheep's head and a horse head and a really, really small head. So there's loads of different sightings that kind of contradict one another. But the most common one, obviously, is the upturned boat, the, the multiple humps. Um, I think over time, a lot of those can be explained. Um, I myself have seen that. And it's, it's very misleading if you're not aware of, of the environment and how the law can play tricks on your mind, I guess. But the main candidates are always the, the classic plesiosaur. Steve Felton believes it may have been a catfish, Adrian Shine from Loch Ness Project will say that it's a sturgeon. It had long neck seals, Greenland sharks, it's giant eels, you name it. There's so many different theories on, on what it is we're supposed to be looking for. If I had the answer, I, I wouldn't be there. I, I'd be quite happy. I think if I, knew, if I found out tomorrow what it was, I'd be okay with that, just knowing, and that's okay with me. But at the same time, I'm not quite prepared to put the nail in my coffin and say exactly what it is, because I don't know. I don't know. But nobody knows. I mean, we, we could only go with really, if, if you throw out all potential 
physical evidence, whether that's pictures, videos, those kind of things, then we, all we really have to go on is eyewitness testimony. So again, it, that's we're relying on that person and their eyes and their memory of what they've seen, what they've observed. And that morphology, again, has changed so many times throughout the years, depending on who's looking at it. Is there something in the weeds and flowers around Loch Ness that just kind of creates a high that makes you see uh, invisible <laughs> creatures or something? <laughs> I mean, who knows? <laughs> who knows? I mean, there are some. There's, there's good mushrooms in Scotland. I, I know that much. <laughs> I'll be right there. <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> so, what is the Loch Ness exploration? So, as I've said, it's kind of a shadow of the original Loch Ness Investigation Bureau, which ran for ten years. So, it started off as me. I mean, I go up there every month, regardless to conduct these hydrophone experiments. But along the way, I invite people to come along with me. What I tend to do every month is that I will post several locations or observation points where if someone wants to come with me, a volunteer wants to come with us, they'll be placed at A, B or C, whatever it is, and I'll be somewhere else. And it was just about getting as, as many eyes as we possibly can on the lock to do the surface watch. Because we're a voluntary group, we don't have the funds that we that we wish to have to take the search below the surface. You've got to have big bucks to do that, unfortunately. But, you know, touch wood, I, I still firmly believe and confident that we'll get there one day to do that, which is quite exciting. But yeah, we, it's it's not just for those who believe in the Loch Ness Monster, it's for those who have branded, who have branded themselves or, or they've got a label as a sceptic. I don't like those two labels. I don't like the label of believer and sceptic because everyone's decided that there's just two camps and you have to belong to one of them. And for years, that was annoying me. I, 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 it was <laughs> There was a clear divide in the Loch Ness community. And what I think we've achieved anyway, people like Adrian Shine from the Loch Ness Project and Dick Rayner, who was an original member of the Loch Ness Investigation Bureau, who runs the Loch Ness Investigation website. These guys have got an arsenal of experience when it comes to Loch Ness. They've been there, they've done the hard work, they've studied that water day and night. And over the years, they've changed their opinions on, is there something in Loch Ness worth searching for? So that then makes them sceptics. And it, it's a shame because if, if anyone did deserve to be a sceptic, it was it's those two gentlemen because they've put the amount of time and effort into it. That's, that's their opinions. It doesn't make them wrong. It doesn't make them right. It's just their opinions. But what I'm hoping anyway that I've achieved, I hate talking about myself. <laughs> I've been able to sit down with Adrian and I've been able to, to work with Dick Rayner as well and using their knowledge. And that's about passing that on to the next generation. Again, I, I still consider myself as an amateur, even though bloody the tabloids or whoever you're talking to is oh, expert, Alan McKenna. It's nonsense. It's just nonsense. I'm still learning. I'm still, still there. And I'm quite happy to, to announce that and to admit that. There's still things we're trying to figure out about that incredible body of water in Scotland. Yeah, I think that that's what LNE was about. It was about people coming together for a, a common goal. You can come along if you believe in the Loch Ness Monster. That's fantastic. If you don't, you're still equally welcome to be involved with us to study the natural environment and the behaviour of the loch. Because that's just, again, as equally as fascinating as the, uh, the the monster mystery. Describe the loch, because I think a lot of people have this image of an inland mm -hmm. lake that's, uh, that can be very mm -hmm. small, but Loch Ness is anything but small. Yeah, right? it's bloody big. It's 23 miles long. I think it is widest. It's about a mile wide and it's just shy, I would say, just about 800 feet deep. It's about seven, 760 feet deep, I think it is. It's not the deepest in Scotland. That record lies with Loch Mora, but it's incredibly deep. It's incredibly dark. Visibility is so poor. And I'm sure you probably know this and maybe some of your, your, your viewers as well, but 
it's translucent in the lock. It looks like someone's just dropped all these massive tea bags everywhere. It's just brown peat you cannot see. It's terrifying, actually. It's it's scary how dark it is. That's washed in. All that peat is washed in from the the rivers around Loch Ness. I think there's like maybe six or seven main rivers that flow into the loch itself and possibly i think it's between 40 to maybe 60 smaller wee burns and streams that roll into it so that's a lot of peat coming in from the hills and that dyes the water this 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 tea color you could be swimming next to if you have no lights for example and you could be swimming right next to a 300 foot submarine and you wouldn't see it that's you know five foot in front of you you wouldn't see it that's how dark it is so that peat prevents any sunlight breaking through which unfortunately kind of adds well i say unfortunately it is unfortunately because it makes our job so much harder <laughs> for for relying on visibility below the surface and it can play tricks on the eyes oh yeah definitely absolutely yeah. i mean it's quite terrifying there's if i i do a lot of drone shots which demonstrate the the dramatic shelf drop in the loch it's you can maybe walk out 10 20 feet if that max and then it's just a woof, it's straight down so it's kind of a shape of off off the bathtub and for many many years people believe that there were all these hidden trenches along the bottom of the loch that's unfortunately just not true i mean mooning came to to loch ness and done this incredible sonar sweep of the entire loch and they found out that it was just completely flat on the bottom there was something called keith's abyss which was discovered by one of the tour boats which added i think an extra maybe 100 feet on to the depth in Loch Ness and Loch Ness Project and I think it's Konsberg teamed up together to go and investigate that and it turned out it was just a, an echo an extra echo from, from the from the sonar there was nothing there it's just a it's just a flat bowl which is again it's a, that doesn't bore me I still find that quite exciting you know you've had hundreds hundreds thousands of years of sediment build up on the bottom of the loch so yeah. who knows what you might find if you dig a wee bit deeper into the bottom of the loch. And also, you don't know if there is such a creature as Nessie, as the Loch Ness Monster. It could be a burrowing creature that burrows into the sand or dirt yeah. or whatever at the mm-hmm. bottom of the, the lake. I've heard so, that theory before, actually. I think that's quite interesting. And again, that, that's been brought up so many times. And you, you know, there's been a couple of midwater targets through, through Swona, which are really interesting. I have kind of my own theory that there's loads of shelves along the sides of the loch. And if there is something in Loch Ness, I, I tend to think that if it would be hiding on those shelves, that, that's my opinion, if there is something there. And it's more so a bottom dweller. And I think if it does come to the surface, whatever it is, I, I, I don't know if that's purely by accident. There's, there's so many different questions. And, and I, I kind of like not knowing at this moment in time what we're dealing with. I mean, it could be absolutely nothing. I'm all right with that. I'm up there. I'm still having a great time. And every moment I'm up there, rain or shine, I'm having a great time. And nothing's wasted. You're in the middle of the highlands. You're on the shores of this amazing place. So it's not boring. It's really not boring. But there is plenty of things, places to hide, sorry, within Loch Ness. And if there is something in Loch Ness, it doesn't play by the rules. So it's one of these (laughs) things where just keep on trying and then try again and try again. I always say that creatures like that, if they do exist, are smart enough to know not to deal with man. Keep humans far away as you can. Yeah. The rarer the animal, the harder it is to find. Mountain gorillas, for example, they didn't think they existed, and they do if you go deep enough into the jungle. But on the flip side of that argument, you could say that how many times has Loch Ness been surveyed? How many times have all these scientific teams been there, and that is a very enclosed space, and they still haven't found anything? However, 23 miles 
it's you know it's not short that that's a hell of a lot of land uh, and water to explore and it's so deep i i think i i don't know the exact number but i think you can fit the world's population into loch ness like five times over or something like that because of how the cubic depth of it it's it's incredible it's a really it's a very scary place <laughs> of course you you would have to you'd have to drown that population first <laughs> That's just food for Nessie, isn't it? I don't think that would go over well. No. <laughs> to what degree does the government get involved in any of these explorations and stuff? Because I imagine that the between the legend of Loch Ness mm-hmm. and the mysteries of Loch Ness, mm-hmm. that it is a great tourist attraction yeah, for Scotland. Yeah, absolutely. And it's I, I, I get asked that question a lot about, are you just doing it for tourism? And I've, uh, my honest short answer is is no. I'll be honest. I don't kind of give a shit about so about tourism. I don't. It's a podcast, not broadcast. Okay, that's fine. Then. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so yeah, I don't give a shit about tourism. I'm there for myself and for others who are interested in the lock itself and the mystery of it. And there's no doubt, of course, that that whole mystery and the whole Loch Ness story does bring it in. We all know that, and it, it is interesting. At the end of every newspaper article or any news piece on Nessie, they always finish with. The tourist industry it brings in this much and this much and this much. So again, it's one of these things where people are being fed that at the same time, and that's not a bad thing. I've met locals who love the mystery, who welcome the tourism, uh, but I've also met other <laughs> other locals who who hate it and just want to be left alone. Like me coming when I used to live in Edinburgh, Edinburgh Festival, the Fringe is is worldwide famous. Like everyone just descends to Scotland for this, and I've never met anyone from Edinburgh who's like, oh yes. You know, the festivals here is like, when is it going to finish? Go home. It's one of these things. But yeah, it, it rakes in a lot of money. The government, and I, I would love to have funding from the government. That would be amazing. I, I don't think they will do that. They'll probably just see it as a waste of money. But it's how you sell that to them. But funnily enough, there was a talk, I think, in Parliament, if, if something was discovered within Loch Ness, that it would be protected. So I don't know if it's still in place, and it was kind of made half for fun, but half serious, that if anything is discovered in Loch Ness, it cannot be harmed or removed. So in a way, the government protects (laughs) the Loch Ness monster or the mystery of the Loch Ness monster itself. Having some government funding would be the dream. That that, That would be fantastic. Is there a law in Scotland that you have to love Nessie? Yeah, <laughs> I certainly don't know. Believe it or not, there's a lot of Scottish people who think it's a load of crap. Who just think it's it's just tourism. That that that's what they believe. And again, that that's okay. They're entitled to that. I always throw it back this question and say that I'm not just there for 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 the Loch Ness monster. It's the whole package. It's the whole nine yards that I'm interested in. And I think the more the more people done that, they would realise actually how special this place actually is. You'd be surprised as well about how many people I've, when I first started out, and I, I call them cold callers because I've, I've never asked for their opinion. I, I don't know who these people are, but they've, they've emailed me just saying, you're wasting your time. It's a load of bullshit and blah, blah, blah. No matter how many times I turn around and say to them, look, I'm not here just for the Loch Ness Monster. They, they're not interested. They just want to talk about the Loch Ness Monster and not the environment. And I found that really frustrating to begin with. Now it's fine. I'm, I'm absolutely fine with it. But people just... I was told that you you need this mystery, you you need this story to feel some sort of sense of importance. And that's not true. I, I would actually put that on the other individual. I'm just saying, well, I, I've told you I'm here for the environment as well, but all you want to do is talk about the Loch Ness Monster. So sceptic or believer, whatever you want to call it, those two labels, everyone is, is invested in it. But it just annoys me if people don't focus on the natural environment and they just want to have this really boring, round in circles debate about what it is, what it's not, and blah, blah, blah. It's, it's easy enough to write a, a book 
on saying the Loch Ness Monster doesn't exist. But what I found out, these people that were writing these books or articles didn't do any heavy graft and they didn't do any of the big long work that requires any experiments, things like that at the loch. They're just going by with what other people have said beforehand. I may be wrong about that. I'm, I'm Possibly that there has been people that have been up there, but it's it's far more exciting thinking that there might be something there. And again, it's, it's, it's so good. See, when, like a couple of weeks ago, when I was at Temple Pier doing the hydrophone at night time, it was brilliant. It was just me down at Temple Pier. It was pitch black. The moon came out eventually behind the clouds and it was the most tranquil, peaceful couple of hours I've ever had just with the headphones on and just listening to the story of, of the loch and all these amazing sounds that we could hear. And I, I want people to be more involved with that. Maybe I'm just being overly enthusiastic, but it is. There's just something really strange and beautiful and haunting about listening to the depths of Loch Ness. There are magical and mystical places around the world mm-hmm. that you stop looking for reasons, just go and enjoy Yes, it. absolutely. Absolutely. Take it in. That's it. When you talk about there's so much to Loch Ness, what is the generic wildlife like in the lake and around it? You, there's a variety of different fish species within Loch Trout, salmon. You get the pike in now and again. We have seals. They don't live in the loch, but they occasionally do get in via the River Ness. I think it would be quite difficult for them to come through the, the canal. They do. I'm, I'm sure at some stage they probably have, but they tend to come up the River Ness. Does Loch Ness connect to the sea? It does. Yeah, yeah. So it, it's... I should actually mention this when you were talking to me, asking about what Loch Ness and, and what it looks like. Loch Ness actually sits on the Great Fault Line within Scotland. And if you look at it from an aerial map, it literally s- splits Scotland in two. And that runs from Fort William all the way to Inverness. I think there's two or three other locks that link that together. But that obviously as well links in with Caledonian Canal, which eventually hits the River Ness. So yeah, other animals do enter the loch. Absolutely. You've got a lot of deer around the size of the loch. We've got otters around there. Loads of bird life. There's plenty there. There's absolutely plenty there. There's even some... I don't know what they're called, but we, we do have reptiles in Scotland, but they're very, very small. But I, I don't know if, if they're around a lock or not. I'm not entirely sure. Certainly frogs are, like amphibians and whatnot. But yeah, there's a fair few. I've heard there are giant eels in, in the lock yeah. and that Nessie could, in fact, be a giant eel. Is that, when we're talking about giant eels, how big are they? So th- this is where it gets mixed up a lot. If you're going with eyewitness testimony, some people have said that they've seen a large eel within Loch Ness, but there's there's been zero proof of any large eels within Loch Ness. There's a couple of videos actually from, I think it was Dick Grainer who actually took this video and discovered eels were behaving really strangely in the loch. They were almost like standing still in the sand, uh, sorry, the sediment. So I don't know if it was a defence mechanism that Mr. Will's coming, everyone freeze, but it was a camera. He, he caught that and it's really, really interesting. Neil Gemmell, a professor from New Zealand, did that eDNA study on the loch. And it was it was great watching that. Slightly disappointed with, <laughs> with, with the answer. The media circus made it this huge, big reveal. And it just turned out that every location that they were doing the samples for, they just found a hell of a lot of eel DNA. But that's it. But it doesn't tell you the size of the eel. But again, that is one of the theories. It's it's, it's a giant eel. But as far as I'm aware, there's never been a giant eel caught or recorded within Loch Ness. Uh, During the weekend, actually, the Quest weekend, on August the 20th, I can't remember if it was August the 28th or August the 29th, while we were doing the demonstration of the hydrophone on the research vessel Deep Scam, which has been skippered by Ali Matheson. A young boy at the back of the boat says, oh, look, there's an eel. 
I didn't believe him. I thought, nah, there's no danger. Went to the back of the boat and sure enough, there was quite a, there was a wee eel at the surface, which was bizarre because they're normally bottom feeders. They avoid the deep water. They tend to stay at the bottom of the locker towards the shallow chain. So that was a huge thing for me. I thought, Jesus, that's mad. And not too long ago, again, there was a gentleman called Dave, forgotten his surname, that's really rude of me, that he was, he was exploring, I think it was the Falls of Foyer, which is on the south bank of Loch Ness. He found eels crawling up the rock face, which is was incredible. I've never seen that before as well. So if anyone wants to see that footage, I think they can, I think it's on the Loch Ness Exploration Facebook page. I'm sure it's on there and on Dave's page itself as well. But yeah, a giant eel, That that's a plausible, I think probably the most logical explanation what people have seen however if you watch an eel swim even on the surface of the water it's still very serpentine in in fashion whereas sightings of the Loch Ness Monster show a straight wake you know that that torpedo thing what Steve Felton seen all those years ago I've never seen or heard about an incident where they're seeing something wriggle through through the loch which is very strange Arguably, the most famous photo of Nessie was the one from the 30s that was debunked, right? That, that was proven to the be... The surgeon's photo. Uh-huh. Is it the, the long neck one? Yeah. 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 It's, I, I mean, again, I was a wee boy when I saw those pictures. So I was, I was convinced that, wow, this, this is it, you know? There, there is something in Loch Ness. I think his name was Alistair Boyle who debunked it. But that's still... It's, one of, it's still a complex conversation to have because there's so many people who believe that it's not a hoax that it's the it's the real deal and still it's yeah yeah it still goes on to this very and there is arguments for that i'm not too sure what they are yeah you'd be surprised how many people still hold on to that i personally do believe it's a hoax i I think it's been quite explained very very well and that doesn't do the damage at all to to the mystery it kind of just adds to it in my opinion but yeah there's a lot of people out there that still take those pictures as legit that's the real deal that shows a lot of nice monster it depends it's it's all to do with your your belief system and, and what you think really and i'll never shout at anyone for saying that it, that's their opinion and i'm all up for that i'm all up for it. it's best if we all agreed how boring life would be you know well i i grew up there was a cartoon called beanie and cecil where <laughs> i forget which one was which but one was a little boy and the other one was a sea serpent right okay his friend <laughs> and that that always that's what I think of when I think of Nessie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think, okay, whatever it is, whatever kind of creature it is, first of all, I hope it's real. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm the type of person, I want that to be real. Mm-hmm. And I hope it's friendly. And yeah. it, can come, it could come live with me. I don't know yeah, if I absolutely. have room in my house, but I have a big backyard. <laughs> yeah. so. Build a pond. You'll be all right. <laughs> it's like, come on over, Nessie. Yeah, this yeah. would be great. When you go out on, on an exploration... How many people do you tend to have with you? It depends, really. When we first started out, we were getting two or three people coming along with us. And it's never really exceeded four people, I have to say. But again, it's not a bad thing. And asking them to come out every month is quite a big ask, because I know, especially in today's kind of climate, money is extremely tight. But more so, it's, it's myself that I go up there when I'm doing these things. And Steve Feltham said it the other day there, and he's right that hydrophone listening or the experiment what you want to call it it's not a spectator sport but you you've got to have the patience you've got to have the absolute discipline just to sit there for hours on end and just listening thankfully i've got that but i I wouldn't ask anyone to come along and just sit and watch me 
doing the hydrophone stuff. So again, I, I let people know where I'm going to be. If they want to come up that weekend, they're, by all means, they can go and watch from different viewpoints if they want to come along. If not, it, it's fine. And again, it, it was all about inspiring a new generation, I guess, of, of, the, of the Loch Ness mystery and, and, the, and the story of that. And the Loch Ness Centre um, has certainly helped towards that as well. By, by giving it, you know, a bit of a facelift, the center itself. In all the time you've spent up there and all the experiments you've done, have, have you ever found anything, any kind of evidence that you couldn't explain? Yes and no. The first time when I thought I caught something on camera was during, oh, it was terrible weather again. It was chucking the rain. It was really, really windy. The waves in the lock were fairly high. And I was watching, I was filming a wee boat which I thought was toiling, which I thought was struggling through the loch. It was, it was almost, sort of the wee sailing boats that almost go on its side, but they're designed to do that. So no one gave me that memo. I thought, oh my God, this guy's, he's going in. And I, I was really scared. I was really shitting myself thinking I'm going to have to call the Coast Guard or something like that. But as I was filming that, I heard a very, very large splash, huge splash to my right. And as I panned round, all I caught was the spray coming from my right to my left. I've got it all on camera and, and people can view that on, on Loch Ness Exploration if they want to go see it. And there's a gift that I've made of it as well. I still didn't know what that was and my reaction's very, very genuine. It's very high-pitched. <laughs> Just good. what was that? What made that noise? But the more and more I, I, I kind of analysed it and with Adrian Shine's help from the Loch Ness Project, we kind of came to the conclusion it was called a, I think it's a wind sprout. I think it is. But again, it all, all we... It, it must, that splash that I heard just must have been a combination of, of waves hitting each other and it's caused that spray to come up and move down the lock, which is really interesting. But I stayed there for hours on end and I never saw that phenomenal again. I, ne I never caught that. So that was quite interesting. And then again, another splash. This one I can't explain yet. And it's going into my report, which I'm hopefully going to release on Friday. It's so overdue because I was up there in the 28th and it should have been out about a week ago. It's so, so overdue. But I arrived at Temple Pier where I was doing the nighttime recording. As I got out my car and the water was calm that night, you know, it was pretty rough throughout the day. But at nighttime when the sun went down, the, the cam was, the, the lock was so much calmer, the wind had dropped significantly. As I got out, I heard again another fairly loud splash that came from beyond the fence at Urquhart Bay, which leads on to Urquhart Woods. Now, that area is fairly shallow, but we've had some pretty horrific rain in Scotland recently. Surprise, surprise. So the water levels have risen a wee bit. So I still don't know what that splash was. I mean, it could have been a deer. It could have been a seal. It could have been a fish jumping out. I don't know. But again, it was a one-off and I was there for hours. I, I never heard that splash again. It could have been a local resident who knew you were out with one of your explorations yeah. and took yeah, a yeah. dive just to mess with you. Absolutely. No, that's true. But that, that actually, that's in my report. That's actually one of the explanations that I put in because I, I make all my locations public so people can find me if they want to come along. So that 100% cross my mind thinking is someone just pulling my leg here. But again, it was quite a, it was a pretty profound big splash. And I was thinking, what on earth was that? It could have been even something as simple as, as, as a, a large branch coming off a tree and hitting the loch. And I'm, I'm always very, very clear about that. You know, not every ripple and not every wake shows a Loch Ness monster. You have to be logical about certain things. And it could have been a spaceship for aliens looking <laughs> for the it. Loch Ness Monster. <laughs> that's it. They're here to refuel and that's it. That's it. <laughs> or they're picking them up. I don't know. <laughs> if people, we're almost out of time here, but if, if people want to go on one of your explorations, how do they mm -hmm. go about it? 
they just join into the, the the Facebook page, which is Loch Ness Exploration. I've been working on my website for a wee while now. It's pretty much ready. I know I keep saying that it's ready to go. It really needs to be ready to go. But we put those inf- I put that information up every month about where I'm going to be, what I'm planning to do. You're welcome to come and join us. So we keep up people updated as much as we possibly can. The last couple of times I've been up, I will admit I've been taking part in other projects with documentary teams, which has been an absolute blast. I've been enjoying myself with that. But we do have another two other sets of hydrophones. So if anyone wants to come along as well, I, I would say one spot and I would invite the other two to go to another spot. But the best time to do the hydrophone is at nighttime when there's zero boat traffic, flat cam conditions, no winds and the recording that I got on Saturday on the 28th, it, it's so interesting. There's so many different sounds that I, I don't know what they are. But again, just because I don't know what it is doesn't mean it's the Loch Ness Monster. But it's, I, I've given that audio to certain people to analyse, to go have a look, try and identify what's what. And that's the whole what's the whole purpose of what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to catalogue as many sounds as I possibly can within the Loch for future generations. Now, I know you said earlier that, that this is not your full-time job, that you mm-hmm. have a full-time job. Like, what percentage of your time do you devote to Loch Ness? So only really at nighttime when I'm doing things like this with yourself, it's podcasts or interviews or, you know, analyzing photos or analyzing the sounds that I've recorded, but I go up once a month. What I've tend to do just to get more from my money I tend to stay over now at the Drum Hotel which is part of the Loch Ness Centre and that allows me to have two days a month up at Loch Ness which is good and again I, I don't expect everyone to come up monthly with me, it's a lot to ask but yeah a lot of a lot of my time I think goes on to, to, to Loch Ness and LNE but Monday to Friday 9 till 5 I'm a full time social worker so and that's very demanding Alan is there a, any question you would like to answer that I haven't asked don't know. I <laughs> don't know. I'm all right. <laughs> no, I think you've covered everything. It's all right. I want you to promise me that when you do find Nessie, that you will come back on the program to talk Absolutely. about it. Absolutely. Yeah. Even if I don't, even if I don't, you know, I'm more, I'll be more than happy to jump back on with you, Steve. Not a problem at all. And bring Nessie along. I mean, it would be great <laughs> to have Nessie to, yeah. on to talk about her experiences being the monster of Loch Ness. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm going to do now? You know I'm going to have to get the two puppets. That, that's what's going to happen. <laughs> yeah. You can come back with the puppets too. That would be yeah. great. Then I yeah. will have to start doing a video podcast. So. <laughs> Hey, that would sell. That would sell. That would indeed. Thanks so much. (laughs) You're welcome, man. Thank you. My thanks to Alan McKenna for sharing some of his experiences searching Loch Ness. The definition of monster is an imaginary creature that is typically large, ugly, and frightening. In my imagination, Nessie may be large, yet anything but ugly and frightening, and I'm rooting for her to be proven real. In the meantime, the thought of exploring the beauty, mystery, and magic of Loch Ness is nothing less than alluring. It may just be time to book a vacation. If you liked this program, please like Life Slices on social media and subscribe wherever you find Find Podcasts. Life Slices is produced by Beatnik Ravens Productions, all rights reserved. Music courtesy of Fesley and Studios. <laughs>